Welcome back, my friends, to the flicks of the week that never end. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel. I am Mike Sutherland. And this is our, uh, well, I guess you could call it our Ready Player One edition, huh, of uh, Flicks of the Week. It's not Ready Player One, is it? Well, I mean, you know. It's just Flicks of the Week. Yeah, but it's on that week of Ready Player One, so. So what? <laughs> you never do that type of intro. I know, I haven't. So I, why are you doing that type I of know, intro? How did it feel? Did it feel wrong? Just weird. Okay. All right. So maybe, maybe never, maybe, <laughs> maybe always. I don't know. All right. So yeah, my flick of the week is going to be the 2012, appropriately, the 2012 Steven Spielberg film Lincoln. Superman three. That Steven Spielberg had nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. Okay. <laughs> Just whatever. I mean, you could have done 1941 or always. I've done 1941. I know you did. I could have talked about always, but no, Superman three was on my mind. I had just watched it, and I like, I'm like, I got to talk about this fucking movie. <laughs> All right, yeah, God, that, that part where the fucking brace thing goes through. Anyway, we'll talk about that, and if anything else, uh, if we have something else that pops into our pretty little brains, then we'll we'll talk about. It. Otherwise, fuck off. Yeah. So take it away, Lincoln, Abraham. <laughs> Party on, dudes! All right. uh, okay, so yeah. Um, oh man, this is. Uh, let's see if I can describe this movie pretty well. With the nation embroiled in still another year with the high death count of civil war, President Abraham Lincoln brings the full measure of his passion, humanity, and political skill to what would become his defining legacy to end the war and permanently abolish slavery through the 13th Amendment. Having great courage, acumen, and moral fortitude, Lincoln pushes forward to compel the nation and those in government who oppose him to aim toward a greater good for all mankind. Uh, I give you Lincoln. I, I have a question before we start the trailer. Do How I do have we to know, stay in this voice? No. How do we know that Lincoln was this type of person? Well... The movie itself is based off of a book. Um, I mean, what if Lincoln was a complete fucking asshole? Well, I, I think it's based on um, you know accounts. Of course, well, you know what accounts are. Accounts. Um, yeah, but it's it's a book written by somebody based on Abraham Lincoln. And I mean, if it was written during Lincoln's time when he was alive, Lincoln could edit it and make it look like he's oh, a no, better no, person. This was written way after that. Um, it was. This is based in the. This is just. This only covers the last four months of his life. I know, but what I'm saying is, is that we're not getting the whole story. It doesn't matter what we never will. What, I mean, what fucking historical figure yeah. it is? Yeah. You know, every every one of these historical figures, yeah. King Leonidas, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, um, or George Washington, or any of these other cats. That you know, s slowly all these little things are coming out about him. Like you know, Thomas Jefferson had Thomas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the East Coast thing. <laughs> Had kids with his, yeah, with his slaves. Yeah, you know. Which well, again, that's not a big deal. That's just the way it was back then. Sign of the times. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that we don't know the character of these people. Oh, I know. There's other than through what's been written there, about them. There was something um, about Lincoln that people don't talk about much, and he wasn't fully for um, desegregation because right. um, there was something that he said that. Um, he he didn't think that white men would ever be fully accepting of of black people, and that maybe there should be segregation. So he he had conflict with it. 
you know? Yeah. But look at the time he grew up in. I mean, he grew up in a time where a lot of people are telling him that slavery is okay. Between when Lincoln was dead, Lincoln died. Yeah, 1865. And when my grandmother and grandfather were born, okay? Damn. That's only 60 years. Yeah. Okay? That means that's that... That's that far long ago, man. That means that because my, my family has been living... In the United States yeah. since the 1600s. Uh-huh. So 200 years before Lincoln, yeah. give or take. Let's just say 200 because, you know, 240 years. In the 240 years between Link, between my, par- my, my parents' ancestors, my ancestors, and then Lincoln, that's 10 generations. Is that right? 20 I, years a generation. Is 20 years a generation? Yeah. I didn't know. I thought it was like, I didn't know if it was 30 or 40. I think a generation is 20 years. Let's just double check that. Uh, twenty-five and a half years. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's ten so, generations. So hundred every hundred years would be four generations. Yeah. So that's eight. Close enough. It's I mean, ten. Two hundred forty years. Oh well, uh, yeah, years. I, I meant based off of just two hundred years. So if you just do about twenty years per generation, that's ten generate twelve generations. Yeah. Okay. Twelve generations between when my family landed uh-huh. to when Lincoln dies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then. 60 years. So three more generations after that. So in the time between Lincoln and my grandparents, yeah. which is only 60 years, and then it still took another 100 years anyways for anything to be done about you know, segregation and whatnot. Yeah. So it, if you think about it in this way, my grandfather, his father, yeah, okay, my grandfather's father witnessed Lincoln do this stuff. Yeah. Not firsthand, but through paper, uh-huh. okay, through the news, and then he witnessed Lincoln die. Yeah. Okay. His son witnessed the beginning of all of these revolutionary new things. Yeah. His and then his and then his son's son, so my grandfather, Roland, yeah, witnessed the entire history between nineteen twenty two and because he was born before nineteen twenty. Yeah. And, and including going through World War II, yeah. including the Martin Luther King marches, including all this other stuff, okay, up until he died a couple of years ago. So that's 18, 1865, 1965, uh, 2015. That's 50 years. It's 150 years, okay? Yeah. In the 150 years between those two events, my great-grandfather... My great-great-grandfather and my grandfather got to witness almost firsthand all of this stuff going on, including being part of the Civil War. Is that fucking crazy? Yeah, that's, that's fucking nuts. It's, I mean, think... And usually I'm not like a guy, and you know me, I'm not a guy that goes, oh my God, you know, it's been 30 years since. Yeah. But I'm talking like 150 well, years... a completely different culture. It's and three everything. people. Yeah. It's a way different, completely different form of our way of life and everything. I, so and to be that it's not that far away. I mean, I, I just if you look back a hundred years, I mean, what did we have then? We had, we, I mean, we already had horse-drawn carriages, we had, and we had the we have the beginning of cars a hundred yeah, years mo- ago, like Model Ts, right? And um, and then you had we had radio starting off. Um, they were already doing mov- mov- they were doing moving pic- moving pictures at the time with no with no sound. Yep. Um, and you know, uh, I I, I, I know I heard about like the first TV being made in 1925 or something, and yeah, it, it just and it was being tested, and you know, blah blah blah. Right. 
So it didn't become, you know, like mass public until with telephone. 55, yeah. Lights. Yeah, it was all lights integrated in the houses, sewers. Oh, yeah, plumbing. But pop the shit right out of your house. Yeah. Right? So all that stuff was, I mean, that's, you know what? I think that stuff was as fascinating to them when it was new as, say, a fucking MP3 player is to me. Now, think about this. My grandfather lived until he was, my great-grandfather yeah. lived until 1977, uh-huh. the advent of, of the science yeah. age, computers, right? Yeah. So he got to witness World War One, World War II, yeah. Korea, Vietnam, the advent of the science age, and then he passes. Uh-huh. My grandfather, World War II, and all those other things, yeah. the advent of the science age, the advent of the flying car, because we do have flying cars. Yeah. You know, f- you know, pedestrian flying vehicles that, you know, they're not they're not readily available because they're still working on them. Yeah. Jets. All three of them got to see the Jets, mm-hmm. not the football team. <laughs> or the band. Yeah, or the band. Not Benny and the Jets. But, um, or, you know, or the the, the movie. Yeah. The uh I can never remember. I always the Warriors. It's not Warriors, oh. but it's the other one. I always get those yeah. two mixed up. <laughs> um but yeah, all all three of them got to witness the rise of the science age, which is includes mm-hmm. jets, you know, the flying jets and yeah. and all this other stuff. It's incredible. It is. Just I, in the, in 150 years yeah. that technology we, I mean, look at where we're at in 150 years technology-wise, yeah. science-wise. insane. And we should be about 2,000 years ahead of time. But thank you, religion. I know. I know. Look, look what happens when you don't inhibit the people as much. You know? But yeah, I mean, I mean for me, I, I come from the Walkman generation. So, you know, when, when C, you know, Walkman CD players were coming yeah. out, you're like, holy shit, this is awesome, even though the skip protection was Fucking horrific! Um, Remember when the Walkman when they when they introduced the waterproof Walkman? Yeah, that, those were expensive as shit. Yeah, and then oh, and then they when they introduced the ten second skip protection. Yeah, and it it, it worked kind of. I mean, you, yeah, the disc man. You couldn't still it was still kind of suck the jog with them on though, right? But because of that stuff and seeing it like play, I, I I literally had a Pong game. You know, uh-huh. I played on a black and white TV. Yeah, and. Um and Atari and in television and the, and, and, the and, and the dial yeah and you had to use the fucking fork prongs to yep. you know keep yeah yeah because we didn't have all the extra stuff so you didn't have to keep nobody had all the extra stuff yeah I mean even though we had a Radio Shack and we would go buy stuff from there yeah actual components yeah not fucking knockoff cell phones and TVs right um <laughs> no Radio Shack was great because you could buy all sorts of shit to yeah. build stuff yeah and all that that's all lost yeah. It was like a circuitry board for components. We need to make this into a regular podcast podcast. Nostal- talking about nostalgia, history, relating to movies. Yeah, yeah. So anyways. Well, yeah, just like the digging in the couch thing for, for coins, right? It comes to video games. Yeah. Like Ready Player One and all that shit. So, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> you know how pissed you would have been at me if right before you played the trailer for your movie, I just went to this big fucking thing? No, I, I, I'm, all, I'm fine with okay, it. Okay, all right, all right. I'm, I'm fine. I find it fucking, I, I find it fascinating. I find this stuff fascinating. Yeah. But since this is a movie review, I don't want to get too down, too far down the rabbit hole, you know? Yeah. Because, and, and, you know. <laughs> Look at that top picture of Daniel Day-Lewis right there uh-huh. as, as, um, as, the dude from New York. Bill the Butcher. Right. Could you picture him playing Joker? Yes. I, I could totally see him playing the fucking Joker, dude. 
He'll, I don't think it'll ever happen. You know, he comes out of retirement. Because, <laughs> you know, you, the, the, the Phantom Thread is supposed to be his last film. But, you know, until the next one, right? <laughs> Fucking Too Short made like 11 more albums after his final album. So go figure. I like one of the, <laughs> one of the comments on the Lincoln uh, movie trailer is, make sure you watch the prequel, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. It provides more backstory in Abe's life, greater context, and really sets the stage for this film. <laughs> so no vampires? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you want to play the trailer? Yeah. Lincoln. The trailer is as long as the movie. Four hours? 2.20. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. We can't tell our people they can vote yes on abolishing slavery unless at the same time we can tell them that you're seeking a negotiated peace. It's either the amendment or this Confederate peace. You cannot have both. How many hundreds of thousands have died during your administration? Congress must never declare equal those whom God created unequal. Leave the Constitution alone. We are stepped out upon the world stage now with the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilled to afford us this moment. Now, now, now. Abraham Lincoln has asked us to work with him to accomplish the death of slavery. No one's ever been loved so much by the people. Don't waste that power. This fight is for the United States of America. choose to be born or be fitted to the times we're born into well, i don't know about myself you may be what are we supposed to talk to her these now <laughs> Shall we stop this bleeding? I'm not a fan of these types of movies, but even this trailer Mm -hmm. is pretty emotionally invigorating, you know? Yeah. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, this, yeah, it's, you feel it. Um, It is a good movie. Um, it's not a movie I don't think I'd want to see more than one more time, probably in my life. But um, it's you know it, it's in that during that whole time where Spielberg's doing serious movies, right? Serious dramas, the Oscar bait, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I totally forgot that Daniel D. Lewis won the Oscar for Best Actor for this because he's been nominated like fucking five or six times in his career, and he's won like three three or four times now. Um, I think he won he's won three times uh, for Best Actor, but. Uh, this yeah, this movie was up for seven uh, seven Oscars. It was you know it, it won a bu- it won a bunch of shit. Um, what was it? Yeah, for production design and actor. Uh, but let's see, this movie is not what I thought it was going to be. Like what I thought it was going to be was a, whole, a movie about all of Lincoln, right? I didn't know that you know due to my ignorance, like most people, when you go into a movie, sometimes you don't know everything. You see a movie about Lincoln, and you think the, it's going to be his whole life, right? You know, chopping down the fucking 
you know, the, the tree and all that shit, right? Um, but it wasn't. Instead, it's based off a book called um, the... Uh, it was called the... Uh, <laughs> Team of Rivals, The Political Genius of Abraham Lincoln by uh, Doris Kearns. So, and the movie just covers the final four months of Lincoln's life, which is where the, the movie just, the, the, the entirety of the movie pretty much deals with him trying to get the House of Representatives to pass the 13th Amendment to abolish slavery. And it, it so the whole movie is about politics at that time. And so you could see like the emotional toll it's taking on Lincoln because he has so many people telling him, don't do this. And then, um, but what's really good about it is, is, is he was a genius. He knew that there was something I I liked about this that emulated the way I think. And is he knew that you can't make change too quickly on people that are used to things being a certain way. If you try to do too much at once, you're going to have a huge backfire and it's going to make things even worse than they were before. And so he knew that he couldn't abolish slavery and then also say that the black people were um, equal, as equal, um, you know, like full, you know, five out of five, five fifths, right? One whole. Right. Where he say like, you know, black people are, they say it's like three fifths or some shit. So he couldn't, like, he had to like do things where he had to agree that he couldn't say that black people were as equal as white men. They just, they couldn't be slaves anymore. So it was like he had to, he had to to get something important to just keep the road going forward. He had to still be, you know, be do things that weren't, you know, fa- you know, like if you saw someone doing that shit now, you'd be like, well, you're you're fucking racist, right? Right. But look at what he had to do, and that, that's how I see life now. It's yeah. like um, a series of compromises. Yeah, and it's like this. It's like look. We both agree, like, like, say, with homosexuality, that there's no problem with it. It's just people growing up. That is, you're born that way, then you live your life, right? Right. But I well, look, you, you're born that way, but there are some people that think that they're, you know, they they become gay by touching a penis or oh. a, you know a vagina or whatever. No, yeah, that's uh, sexual well, ignorance. Yeah. I'm, no, well, it's that is sexual ignorance. But what I'm saying is, is that. Even some gay people aren't gay. They're just gay because it's the hip new thing to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, but that's just like a, a super minority set of this yeah. whole thing. And, and, and if that's their preference, so be it. Yeah. You know, live and let live type of thing. I'm talking about people that are, that are actually born gay. You yeah. Know, the ones that knew it from the get-go, never had any questions about or it. Or trans or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, so... What I was trying to get at was that the way I see things is, you know, how more accepting society has become over the last even you know twenty years about gay people is is it's it it's it, if you notice it's been it's gone kind of quickly compared to the rest of you know like the last few hundred years, but the acceptance from the public from a lot of the public, not all of course, but from the mass mass majority public, is that it was eased onto them. You know, like, you know, first you introduce a gay character every once in a while into a sitcom. Right. Or, you know, you have interviews with certain people that you find out later on they were gay and, and you know, like, they're but they're big celebrities. And you're so. like, what? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe. And now you'll pay attention to them because you already respected them, right? Right. So, 
Um, it was gradual. It still was gradual, even though it, it has, still is gradual. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that people don't seem to understand because when you have people that get angry, like, well, you just need to accept the way you know I am and all this stuff, and it's like that's great. That's how it should be. But guess what? You can't hit people over the head with change. If you hit them too hard, you're gonna get real bad feedback. <laughs> and so it's, it's ultimatum stuff. Is what yeah. we talked about a couple of days ago. Yeah, which is. Um, when you give an ultimatum to somebody, hey, yeah, you either change or I, you, or, or you have to go, yeah. And guess what's going to happen? Ninety nine percent of the time, they go. Yeah. So you got to ease people into acceptance, right? And it, it, I hate this word, but tolerance, because yeah. tolerance still shows me that you don't really accept it. It just means that you're letting it go, give, go by. That's the word tolerance for me. Yeah. And and it never should have been this way, anyways. Look, I never understood the whole concept behind hating somebody for the color of their skin. Or, you know, whether they like, you know, sucking a dick or not, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just, you know, being gay, you know, whether you're a lesbian or gay, you know, and then you have all of these fucking subcategories of gay, you know? Yeah. And I'm sorry, look, you know, I I, I don't buy into subcategories. I don't care if you're... Pansexual. You're fucking, yeah, pansexual or cis-dependent or cis-this or whatever. Or you get it extra freaky with your German Shepherd. Yeah, I, I don't care about that stuff. You know, uh, I I still believe in the whole you're a guy or you're a girl. Transgender, you're if you're born into a woman's body or a man's body and you feel like you're a man, then you're then you're obviously, you know, there's always gray area. Yeah. You know, there's always exceptions to the rules. But if you have a dick, you're a guy. Yeah. If you have a vagina, you're a girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we we've come to the understanding that, and that's just between us two. Yeah. We've come to the understanding that. There's there's a specific gender role. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't matter if you're lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, whatever. Okay. You're a human being. Yeah. First and foremost. And and by boxing yourself into in, into a preconceived role, you know, CIS is what I'm talking about. Stuff like that. Pansexual. This yeah. and that. And the other thing. Nobody nobody in their right mind gives a shit. And that's that, that that's part of the whole Lincoln thing, which is everybody gave a shit about something as minor and 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 it, something as minor skin color. Yeah. But the overreaching effect of him freeing, quote unquote, freeing. Yeah. Because he didn't free all the slaves because there was compromises made. Yeah. Is he was taking away labor. Yeah. Like he was, it was willing, economic. It was creating an economic problem. Yeah, yeah. Because now, now the whiteies have to fucking do the job well, yeah. of, of, of the slaves. Yeah, regardless of right or wrong, you were fucking. He was fucking with their livelihood. Yeah. So, so that was that was a major part of, and, and I don't think that's really told in any of the history books. But that's a major part of of the entire Civil War was. The fact that, you know, you free the slaves, you fuck with our economy. Yeah. And by fucking with our economy, that means that we have to hire people at an expensive rate yeah. of labor when we have the labor for free. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. You're fucking with my profits. Yeah. Right? And 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 then they did. Like, it doesn't fucking matter because... Yeah, you- there was... God, when you watch this movie, <laughs> there's like all these compromises and... And you know, getting people onto your side to do the voting because they had to—it was like it had to be a two-thirds vote. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was. So the whole movie is about politics, and so it brings in a shitload of other actors like uh, Tommy Lee Jones, who's this guy who's been against slavery for a very long time, like most of his life, right? Right. And, 
And, uh, and he, probably, was, he was nominated for an Oscar for the movie as well. <laughs> he probably owned slaves. Yeah, he played someone uh, named Thaddeus Stevens. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but look, uh, let me go just do quickly over this list. Daniel Day-Lewis, Sally Field, David Strathairn, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays one of Lincoln's, Lincoln's oldest son. Uh-huh. Um, James Spader, who plays a, one of the, these lobbyists that, that's trying to get everyone to start voting for the, the abolishment. Right. He's really good in the role. He's always good, right? Really funny, because there's some funny moments that happen in this movie. Right. Um, Hal Holbrook, Tommy Lee Jones, John Hawks. I wanted to say it was Hal Linden. Why was I thinking Hal Linden? Oh, I was thinking uh, Hal Linden because I watch Marnie Miller now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jackie Earl Haley, Bruce McGill, Tim Blake Nelson, Joseph Cross, Jared Harris, Lee Pace, who played, you know... Ronan. Yeah, Ronan the Accuser. Um, Ronan the Suckass. Any more memorable names? Michael Stolbark, who's been showing up in a lot of stuff like the you know the Shape of Water and and stuff. Um, oh, and Fargo. He was the one who drove the Hummer in Fargo. Right. Um, well, yeah, and then there's other recognizable actors that you don't know the names of. Also, uh, Walton Goggins is in it. Holy shit! Yeah, Goggins is in it. David Oyelowo. O- actually, that name is pronounced how it's spelled. Oyelowo. Oyelowo. <laughs> yeah. Well, who was in Gringo? Yeah, because he's on the new. Um, you know, the the soup is now on Netflix. They just call it the Joe McHale show. So, um, it, like he, oh, oh, yeah, Lowo showed up on there, and he actually said his own name, right? But look, like, Lucas Haas. Uh, anyone else? I mean, there's just yeah, there's just a sh- and a shitload of actors you've seen in a bunch of other things, just don't know their names, right? So anyway, huge cast. So. There is a lot of politics, so it's one of those movies that, like, say for someone like me, I'm not, I'm not absorbing all of it as I'm watching it because the the, the production design is like so fucking uh, like, uh, without me being a scholar, you know what I mean, or a historian, it looks authentic. You know what I mean? Like the clothes they wear aren't the newest thing. Like you know, if you watch movies like say Blazing Saddles, which is okay, it's a comedy, but if you watch a lot of westerns and stuff, everyone's always wearing new shit. You know, newly pressed, perfectly clean, and it doesn't work that way. You know, people wore the same clothes over and over again. Uh, didn't take showers fucking every day. You know what I mean? They took a bath like once a week if they if, were, if they were lucky, right? So, um, I like authenticity, and it, so everything's grungy in the movie, even in the White House. You know, it, it, you can tell that it's that it's more everything was more humble back then in design you know and and nothing was extravagant for marketing purposes it was just made just to be just to to have a use everything had a use that was made right you know um so anyway that it's distracting so when you're dealing with all the politics and shit it's like i i get lost a couple times right trying to pay attention but the whole gist of it is him still trying to get everybody on page you know so he can get this passed and then he dies. I mean, right fucking, you know, like, what was it? Less than a month after the 13th Amendment gets passed, he, he um, gets assassinated. And they don't even show it happened. They just show right before it happens and right afterwards. Because they didn't want the movie to be focusing on that. Because the whole time I'm watching it, that's the whole thing. I, the whole part I just keep thinking about is John Wilkes Booth, right? And so, yeah. But instead, um, it deals with um, the repercussions of his choices. Um, you know, Lincoln, um, you know, he estranged himself from his, his wife, Mary Todd, who uh, suffered from uh, migraines, and um, his son. She was also fucking like insane. Yeah, um, there was yeah certain issues with her, but um, he had like all of his sons did not make it past the age of eighteen, except for his oldest son, who was played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, all of his sons died. Um, most two of them died at um, ten or under, and from like you know one of the diseases that were going around at the time, you know tuberculosis or whatever. Right. And lunger uh, disease. Lunger. 
And then uh, one son died at 18 from some illness. And then, yeah, so only one lived to be older. Um, but, yeah, it, it just you could see that he just he spent so much time trying to make the world a better place that he ignored his, you know, his kids for a long, you know. He had a lot of regrets. Like, he, you know, I wish I could have been more there for, you know, so-and-so when they, before they died and things like that. But it's still, you know, for the most part, everyone still understood what he was doing and that it was extremely important. If this was for the history books and, you know, he just wanted to make a change because, you know, there's really good moments in this movie. And, um, but some of the humor, like there's one part that's so goddamn funny. It's where um, James Spader is, you know, as a lobbyist, he goes and he tries to talk to one of these guys from the House of Representatives. And so he goes and meets with them and there's a misunderstanding as they're sitting outside of this bar on a bench and the dude starts pulling out his gun to shoot him. But he at first he has to fucking load it. So he has to add the powder and all this shit. And fucking Spader's running away. And he's like, oh, I have my hat. And he has to run back and grab his hat. And, and, and Spader's throwing shit at the guy to distract him. Like he's grabbing dirt off the ground and fucking hay and stuff. He's throwing at a guy to fuck him up. While he's, and the guy takes forever so, so long to load that he never gets to shoot him. Because Spader's already fucking long down the street. And just the whole way it's filmed, it's fucking hilarious. So... Yeah, the movie knows like parts like because it gets like emotionally deep, you know, for the characters, which can be like uh, draining for you. Right. But that I think moments like that like bring you back up. You know, like, Spielberg's really good at doing that shit. So um, all in all, yeah, I'd say Lincoln is a movie I regret putting off for six years watching, but after finally seeing it, I, I it was good. It's worth seeing. Just uh, pay attention to it. it. You know, if you want to get anything from this movie, watching it, you have to pay attention to it. You can't watch this while you're making fucking breakfast or, you know, watching the Smoking kids. a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> or smoking a bowl. So, um, that's all I got for Lincoln, man. I don't want to say any more about it, but it is on Netflix for, uh, for free right now. So yeah. I just, I, I need to, I need, I need to clarify my comments about, oh, yeah. you know, the, the cisgender stuff like that is you live your life. Yeah. But, Stop boxing yourself into these little oh I, yeah the trendy uh, shit yeah fucking society trendy labels yeah this uh, yeah. yeah society's you know yeah uh, segregation labels uh-huh. that's what I'm trying to say is yeah. enough is enough with this shit because nobody cares whether whether you label yourself and a lot of yeah. these people that that are cis you know this I want to say cis but the LBGTs and they're and tumorous, even, they're cis and and. <laughs> And even even you know um, right. straight people, yeah. The, um, society has labels for a reason, yeah. And that's to put you into a box and yeah. put you and put you into this little uh, a numbered account. Yeah, and to make you think you can't go further than that. Right. So, and then when they when they do that, you just feed into this whole labeling system. And by feeding into this labeling system, what's going on is is that you're just continually pushing their agenda forward. Yeah. Okay? And by pushing their agenda forward, you're feeding into the system. If you want to stop feeding into the system, stop buying into the bullshit. Yeah. Stop labeling yourself. Once once people understand that whole label bullshit, then I think that society can actually start to become a utopian society. You know, uh, the the skin colors and and the this is and the that's and the other things, mm. and that's my that's always been my problem with society at large. I've never understood it myself. Yeah. I've never understood why whites don't are don't like blacks. You uh, know, you know what? Okay. Or blacks don't like whites. I was watching an episode of the Rogan show, Joe Rogan show, and um, they talked about that, and they said it, it mostly isn't about actually the skin color of someone else. 
it's um, it, it's primitive. It goes back to tribalism, and because you'd have tribes that look exactly the same, and yet they're trying to kill each other. Um, so a lot of times it stems from that mentality. Mm, no, that's not that that that's part of it, but not. Uh, no, it can't be. Like I'm from here, and you're not from here. No, so. because be, th- that doesn't make any sense. Because when you have when you have people specifically saying that I don't like the color of your skin, that's not tribalism. Well, that's, I mean, look. That's literally, I, I don't like in, the I color of your fucking skin. I'm not drenched in racism, so I, I, don't, I don't see all that all the time. So I, it's hard for me to comment on that shit. I, and I'm, I'm sure at some point it's based off of that, but it, it, it's, it's, it's mutated into color versus color. Not tribe versus tribe, mm. you know, and and that's that's I've never understood. I don't understand. Look, I I don't understand the hatred towards gay people. Mm. I don't understand gay people, but that doesn't make me hate them. Yeah, it just makes me curious about more curious about them. Yeah, you know, and they're who cares if they're gay? They're human. Mm. You know, so we have to have special rights for those guys now because they're different. And they use different quotes. Are you saying like hate crime for hate crimes? For anything, we you know there has to be a special this and a special that and yada yada yada. When we have all these laws and rules and this and that and the other thing, all this bullshit for whether you're gay, whether you're black, whether you're white or Chinese yeah. or you know fucking you know you, you're an animal lover or, or not or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, all again. All, all of these little yeah. segregated fucking yeah. labels that we have assigned to society as a whole yeah. so that we can continually repress these people and continually get what we want out of them, which yeah. is their money. I've been saying it for years. I'll say it again. <laughs> I don't mind repeating this shit. Is, hey, look, you want to know the, how there's still racism? All you have to do is look and see that there's still a Black History Month. As long as you know that there's still a Black History Month, there's still racism because... You you want to know how there's still racism in the world without bringing up being kind of racist about Black History Month? What? Look at who runs the corporations. Look who's president right now. Yeah. What I'm saying is about Black History Month is Black History, there shouldn't have to be a Black History Month. Black History should just be part of history. It shouldn't have to be segregated history. I know. So that tell, that all, all that shows to me is that that our system is like trying to make it look like, oh, we care about your race and your culture, so we're going to give you a month. It's ignorance of the highest order, just like the Black Entertainment Network or Black it, Entertainment. It, it's trying to channel, what it is B-E-T. is it's trying to calm the masses to, to like to make them think, oh, okay, it's not as bad, you know, like like you know, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit, but it's still there to distract you and make you think, oh, they do care somewhat. It's racism of the highest order. Yeah, just like Black Entertainment Channel, BET. No. It's okay for them to to promote anti-white, anti-hate, or hate on whites, anti-white, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that they do it all the time. But you you watch the fucking show, any of the shows on that channel, yeah. holy goddamn. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm all for, you know, white cracker and, you know, most of us are fucking stupid and, and, and privileged. Soulless honkies. Yeah, we're soulless honkies. Yeah. We're fucking, we are white privileged bunch of assholes. Uh-huh. And, but Jesus Christ, like, if we were to do what they were doing, yeah. my God, the backlash. 
Well, you know what? And racism. But we live in a hypocritical Racism is a huge part of black culture. It, it, because if you notice every single black comic, I think except for fucking Bill Cosby, <laughs> which you can't use him anymore. Um, every, As a comic? Yeah, you can. Every black comic um, brings up racism. It's like, is always a major part of their skits. Always. It's well, they always do it because of Richard Pryor. Like, if you watch Eddie Murphy and you watch, you watch Richard Pryor, like, Eddie Murphy kept it to a minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, and he would yeah. make fun of of yeah, the white people fucking bag. and the fucking dancing and, <laughs> and this and that and the other thing. But then again, he would go up and, and what a brother can't have a suitcase. Yeah, he would go up and do like you know all sorts of you know just because white people talk like this, but they don't always. And he'd do yeah. the Italian guy like, well, let's just I'm gonna go up to that Kick fucking, fucking guy. Ass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have a box of fucking jujubes and some fucking popcorn. Yeah, and that fucking mooly over yeah. there is gonna pay for and it. And this guy's gonna fucking pay for it. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, yeah. and and if you watch what Richard Pryor did, he would tell stories. Yeah, and his stories, like he wouldn't go into the whole white versus black thing. Mm-hmm. It would just be mostly about his community, his where he grew up, meaning yeah. his community, and how everything was different. Like if you, I mean, just fucking different. Night and day. Yeah. Like Amsterdam, going to Amsterdam from here, right? Mm. Just a little more than that, because that's the no. little difference. No. The little difference. No. Yeah. Listen to Bicentennial Nigger. That's the name of the album. <laughs> God damn it. There, there's, there's some shit on that fucking album where he talks about living in Peoria. And uh. somebody from the audience goes, um, is it, uh, Tupelo, Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs> that's what it was. Somebody goes, where, where's Tupelo? He goes, right below, one below. <laughs> which is fucking hilarious, right? Yeah. And then he just continues on, and he does this whole entire, th- <laughs> whole entire thing about, and it's racism. There's yeah. all this thing about racism, but it's all, uh, it, it's all in character. Yeah. And it's such an amazing piece of storytelling. And that's what a lot of people have missing if when they're trying to emulate Richard Pryor and his storytelling. Yeah. Is that they just go into they go into the lowest common form of humor, which is black versus white. What's different? The one person that does it right is Dave Chappelle. Yeah, Dave Chappelle is able to do that, and 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 I'm sure there are other comedians. I've kind of been out of the comic world for a while mm-hmm. in in recognizing good comedians, um, but Dave Chappelle was one of those guys that could do. Richard Pryor's act, yeah, and make it his own. Eddie Murphy. So you have you have Pryor, Murphy, Carlin, yeah, and and then Chappelle, and they would all talk about racism, and but they wouldn't they wouldn't go into the whole you know screw Whitey, Whitey sucks, la 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 la, yeah. which is which in my Chris Rock so, yeah, in my opinion is the lowest fucking common form of humor. It's mm-hmm. baseless humor. Mm. Yeah. You know, Chris Rock telling his kids that, you know, not to trust Whitey and, you know, don't even go sit on a toilet seat that's white, <laughs> so, you know, because it's fucking, it's racist yeah, or whatever. Chris Rock's got some fucking issues. And and I, I and the last thing that he did when he went into that, I mean, it was in the news and everything. And nobody even fucking brought it up. Nobody talked about it because it's Chris White. Chris White. <laughs> Chris Rock. Did you plan to do that? No, I have a friend named Chris White. That's uh. kind of funny. Um, Chris Rock went into this whole fucking rant about killing Whitey, mm. literally killing white people. 
And, and and then what was the what was the joke from uh, I'm gonna get you sucker? Don't trust Whitey. He has two white kids, <laughs> right? Yeah. <coughs> so, um, and and then and that's that's the belief that should be. Don't trust Whitey, right? Yeah. And don't trust. I just don't trust Whitey in power. I, I know, like Sam Jackson's character Zeus in uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. And who do we not want to help us? White people. Right. <laughs> yes, I, I remember. And, and 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 that's that's the stuff that has been given down generation to generation to generation, because we white people deserve that. We've done nothing but treat these people, and by you know, what do you it, mean these people, these people, <laughs> these people that are not white. Yeah, Disen- the, the disenfranchised. No, the blacks, the Chinese, the Japanese, anybody that's been in an internment camp here in America. Yeah, you know, or a slave. And in in you know here in America, yeah, they absolutely fucking shouldn't trust. But that doesn't mean that they get to treat us like shit, because those that entire generation is gone. Yeah, for the most part, that entire generation, the 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 people that were born and born straight after, and all this other stuff. Yeah, you know, not not a, not a person <coughs> living today is still alive. That has gone through the slavery stuff. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the 60s and the 50s and the 40s. I'm talking about slavery, you know. Yeah. Up until 1920. Most of those cats are gone, you know. And and it's been it's been pushed from generation to generation to generation with with, with absolute um what's the word I'm looking for? Tradition. It's uh <laughs> it's been part, become part of the culture. Yeah, but what you know, it's um appropriate. You know, it's 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 right, but my problem with it is is that you can gets in the you, way of progress though. Exactly, it, you can you can tell them this and this and this and this, but what you're doing is again it goes right back to it. You're boxing them into society's labels, yeah, instead of letting them move on and and they're, they're peacocks. You gotta let them fly. Yeah, let 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 them make the decisions, and and stop fucking promoting this, you know, black on white whatever hatred. Yeah. I'm a motherfucking peacock, man. Yeah. I got to fly. <laughs> Get out of my way. And it's not just black on white. It's it's just it's any racism. Yeah. You know, segregation otherwise it doesn't matter. And look, I I, I can laugh about racism because I find it fucking stupid. Oh, I absolutely I, find I I find it appalling. I do. I I find it appalling. I I laugh because of how stupid it is. Um, I understand it though too. I understand why some people are the way they are. It's amazing what you can do when you can constantly tell someone something over and over their entire lives. They'll believe it. So yeah. it, that's so. What you do is you try to find a way to break away from that shit and open your eyes to things. And yeah, yeah. And if you stop living towards what society considers normal, normal behavior, normal whatever. Yeah. And you just live on. Your rules of treating everybody with respect. It's like when you holy put, shit, things change. Yeah, when you put away ec- you, the same societal expectations, right? Yeah, you, like dismiss that. Like I, I've dismissed a few things in my life, and and it felt it did feel liberating. Yeah, you know, like being shy. That was one thing. Being as shy as I used to be, getting rid of that. Holy shit! When I started to dance, <laughs> I want to dance. It has nothing to do with Let's it. Let's dance, yeah. Mike. You want to dance? No, I don't dance. Come on, take nope. my hand. Let's dance. So, uh, let's do your movie now. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> enough about racism. 
Um, but it's an interesting it's an interesting topic to get into. And again, I think we kind of oh yeah yeah. So anyway, yeah, too far down the, the rabbit. The last hole. thing with Lincoln was that yeah, uh, that's what I appreciated uh, about the the way this movie was done was that it made me understand Lincoln in the way that how I think is that you know um, I'm all for you know pr- progress and change and acceptance, but you, let's take your time with it. Yep. You just can't just beat him over the head with it. Yeah, you gotta. You look. You just take your t- fucking time. Otherwise, you're gonna keep getting the the Westboro Baptist Church motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Yep. Those those there's still a shit ton of those kinds of people. There still are. That yeah. tells you something. Yeah. Slow the fuck down, so that we can get everybody on board. It's gonna take a very long time, but fucking shouldn't sure. take this long. But whatever. You know what I mean? It, it just that's how fucking hard it is for progress, right? Yeah. It's like when you have rich old white people in charge. There's always going to be a blockage in part progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, technology. Oh, when they found out they can make a lot of money on technology, that's when it started no. exploding. No, not te- technology. When they found out that they could make a lot of money on the backs of other people. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, uh, can you refill my lemonade? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Peel my grape. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, all right, there you go. Do your thing, man. All right, so mine is Superman 3. Computer programmer Gus Gorman, played by Richard Pryor, is hired by financial tycoon Ross Webster, played by Robert Vaughn, to seize control of a weather satellite and annihilate Columbia's coffee crop. When Superman manages to thwart the plan, Webster commands Gorman to use the satellite to locate kryptonite, the Man of Steel's mortal weakness. But a missing unknown element in the kryptonite, replaced by Gorman with tar, causes an unintended side effect when presented to Superman. There's only one word for the all-new Together Forever. A Pixar Expensive. Spectacular. What's the other word? Okay. Oh, bullshit. Third, third mortgage? Beyond at Pixar Fest, starting April 13th at Disneyland Resort. I love the old Warner Brothers logo. When it's time for adventure, it's time Get my for limo. Superman. Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3. <laughs> this time, Richard Pryor has come to Metropolis. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's got something to sell. He's the best con man and the world's greatest computer genius. Let me tell you something. I can't ski. But then he falls for a scheme to turn the ultimate computer into the ultimate weapon. What would it do for me? It would do anything you tell me to tell it to do. A machine so powerful. Baby! It can control the earth. No. Now, getting down to business. Change the weather. Now something. You're a genius. And reprogram Superman. Don't you never get here? Well, I hope you don't expect me to save me because I don't do that anymore. He didn't die. 
ask you to kill Superman. And you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing. Ah. All right, Webster, the game's over. But only the man who pulled the switch on Superman. Oh, see, I'm not with them, Superman. You're to fool me, mister. Can pull the plug on Super Machine. You're going to go down in history as the man who killed Superman. Um, no. Superman 3. Uh, watch the tree. This time is going to be the best time of all. So. Fuck this movie. <laughs> so except for showing the robot chick, they showed the whole fucking movie. Yeah, pretty much. And that robot chick was horrific. <laughs> so bad. I, 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 yeah, I right there, one of the comments. Yeah, dude, I just—I always remember when the the metal starts covering her teeth because they do it in that weird, um, like stop motion style. It just, yeah, it's fucking weird, man. It sounded so off right at the beginning of the trailer when it said Christopher. Re- oh, I'm sorry, Christopher Reeve and and Richard Pryor. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Christopher Reeve, Richard Pryor. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. I, I sound like the guy from and ESPN. And Rob Schneider, starring <laughs> ESPN. Uh, did I just compare Christopher Reeve to Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. He wasn't actually a bad actor, if you saw him in other things. I, I, he just got typecasted as Superman. Which I guess isn't that bad of a thing, is it? No. Uh, Richard Lester is the one that directed it. Now, at the beginning of the movie, it's... it's <sighs> Look, this movie was awful. And... You can tell how awful it is. Like, if you had seen this movie in theaters, and I didn't, when the movie starts off with an entire Murphy's Law pratfall joke, uh-huh. uh, you know, and it's always, and, and then um, it's it's some sexy girl with big boobs is walking down the street, and, and the domino effect happens. Guy turns... And he hits a cart. The cart goes rolling. And then from there, like a, a guy that's walking a dog, a blind guy that's walking his dog yeah. or walking with his dog, gets confused. And then, like, the dog, then he he, he grabs onto the handle of, um, you know, a, <laughs> a paint sprayer thing that's doing lines in the road yeah. there. And but then... It's like Final Destination butterfly effect shit. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it is so bad. And then all this, all of the stuff that's happening ends up kind of being fixed in this whole like three minute, five minute long intro where Superman has to save somebody at the end, right? Yeah. And from there, we find out that Richard Pryor's character is is a con man, right? So he gets sent to jail. He he loses his. He loses his job. He's a con man. He can't get unemployment. And on the back of some matches, it says, go to school and learn how to be a computer programmer. And all of a sudden, he's like a genius computer programmer, right? Yeah. So he's hired by this Metropolis-based Websco 
um, he embezzles from his employer. It's, it's it's like the plot from fucking uh, Office Space. In fact, Office Space stole the plot from Superman Three, right? Yeah, yeah. You know where it's taking pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And he and it, it now the CEO gets A gets fraction. wind of it. You know that they this guy stole a bunch of money from him. Yeah. Right. He's like, and 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 in that whole whole scene where he's like, well, we have to figure out who is stealing the money from us. It's like, you just cut a check to somebody for $10 million. Uh-huh. Why don't you just look at who the name is on the fucking check <laughs> and go down to his cubicle? Ah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And, and it just so happens at that moment, fucking Pryor shows up in a Ferrari, right? Yeah. So he gets brought up and he's like, hey, can you, you can do so, all, all this sort of stuff with computers? And Pryor's like, yeah, I can do whatever you want. And and Robert Vaughn's like, I'm gonna rule the world with computers, and we're gonna kill the coffee crop in Colombia so that we can use our own coffee to make money, and then we're gonna kill each crop as we go along. Yeah. But Superman stops that, and stops this, and stops that. And and Robert Vaughn wants <laughs> wants um, uh, prior to kill Superman. So he, you know what he's gonna do is he's gonna use his satellite to attract chunk of kryptonite, right? And and as it's searching for kryptonite, it's looking for all of the. I'm sorry, it's not going to attract a chunk of kryptonite. They're going to make their own kryptonite. Okay. So he has a satellite pointed towards Krypton, right? Or what's left of Krypton? I don't know how he knew about this, but <laughs> he's rich, so who cares? He probably hangs out with uh, Luthor. Maybe it was an article that Superman gave way too much info. I don't yeah. Know. And and from there. As as they're trying to figure out the the uh, uh, the makeup of Krypton, prior, there's one that's missing. It's an unknown uh, 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 unknown piece. So he types in Tar, and he brings Krypton, and then the whole thing is set up so that Superman is given a. And oh, by the way, all of this it takes place in Smallville. Yeah. So that he gives Superman a uh, this Krypton gift. This, yeah. this chunk of kryptonite, right? Yeah. And it turns Krypton, it turns Krypton, it turns Superman into this asshole version of himself, right? Uh-huh. This, this, uh, um, uh, has no moral value Superman, like Bizarro Superman, but not Bizarro Superman, Hancock? right? Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. You know, where he's just like, he's gonna bang wherever he wants, drink whatever he wants. Call me an asshole <laughs> one more time. And then, and then while all this is going on, Clark meets up with Lana Lang. Now, the reason why um, um, Annette O'Toole is in this movie is because basically they wrote Margot Kidder out of it. Like, she, that was when she started to go fucking a little bit crazy. Yeah. So they needed to replace her with somebody else. Uh-huh. So they brought in Lana Lang, huh. you know, as Superman's love interest. So he goes back to, as he's going back to Smallville to hang out with Lana Lang, Part of the whole story takes place is that's taking place is um, the uh, Smallville High School class reunion. Yeah, it's like a twenty year reunion or whatever the hell it is, and that's where he gets reintroduced to Lana, right? And then they start hitting it off and you know becoming lovers and yada 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 and going out on picnics together and all this other shit. And in the meantime, all this stuff is going on Mom's behind dating Superman. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Gus travels to Smallville to use the offices of Wheat King, a subsidiary of Websco, to reprogram the satellite to uh, create a tornado to destroy Columbia's coffee crop for the next several years. 
Um, although Vulcan creates a devastating storm, um, that's the satellite. Ross's scheme is thwarted when Superman neutralizes it, saving the harvest, which is an incredibly bad sequence that's going on because, like, he's inverting tornadoes and and blowing out all, like, literally, <laughs> like, if there's fire covering the entire countryside, he's blowing out the entire fire, uh-huh. you know, which is amazing. And it just it just goes on from there. What the one of the worst sequences in this movie is at the end of the movie when Gus builds this supercomputer, okay, in the base of the Grand Canyon, yeah. in, the, in these mountains, or not in the mountains, in the base of the Grand Canyon, and Robert Vaughn and the and uh, it's the girl that plays Robert Vaughn's sister. Let's <laughs> see, uh, um, Annie Ross uh, plays Vera Webster. Wasn't Frau Farbissenal? No. <laughs> and what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> yeah, might as well have been. Um, what's going on is they all end up going down into the canyon, and Richard Pryor doesn't want to take their little weird helicopter things. Yeah, instead he takes a he he gets on a, a, a burrow and goes the old fashioned route. It's stupid. Yeah, it's and, a waste of time. Well, they did it on purpose because they needed to separate stalling out. Yeah, they needed to stall the whole and slow down the plot uh-huh. so that when Richard Pryor shows up. He's dumbfounded about the fact that they're trying to kill Superman with his with his machine, right? Uh-huh. Which has you know anti aircraft missiles on it and everything else. But as as Superman shows up on radar, yeah, <laughs> Robert Vaughn is playing with the controls, and it's a fucking video game. Is a literal bad Atari twenty six hundred video game version of Superman against these rockets. Yeah. Right. So you just see Superman flying. He's flying straight across like he normally does, yeah. and then he's like up and down, and he doesn't turn or anything else like that. And these missiles are flying at him, and every time a missile fucking explodes, it's two hundred points. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they so so it, it's a it turns into this whole stupid fucking video game, and. And then, of course, Annie Ross, who plays Vera Webster, gets caught up in the machine, and the machine turns her into a robot. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I can't remember. You know, she gets electrocuted and all of a sudden is magnetically, you know, attracting these pieces of robot. First and, time she was ever attractive in her life. Yeah. <laughs> and they start, to, um, they start to fight with Superman, right? Yeah. And then Superman wins the day. Uh, I, I want to point out that the girl that played Lorelei Ambrosia, who, who is the blonde in the movie, yeah. that's Billy. O- that's Bill O'Connell. That's uh, the Billy O'Connell's wife. Okay. Or Billy Connolly, Lady Connolly. She's fucking gorgeous. Yeah, she is. Um, she's a psychologist, writer, and performer. Um, I had to look her up because I was just like, she looks really, really familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's Billy Connolly's wife. So, um, if you don't know who Billy Connolly is, go fuck yourself. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking a man. You know he played. He did the voice of the of uh, Meredith's father in Brave. Dude, sue me. Kick me in the balls for some weird reason. When I, I, I look, I know who you're talking about now. But at first, when you said Billy Connolly, why did I think of the lead actor from The Rocketeer? because uh, you were thinking Jennifer Connolly. Maybe. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Okay. But, yeah, Billy Connolly <laughs> also played, you know, yeah. in uh, Boondock Saints. Yeah. He's, you know. Yeah, yeah he was... Uh, he was El um, Duce, the Duke. Howard Hesman's replacement on Head of the Class. Yes, he was. Um, 
He also he was in. Uh, I loved him in Lemony Snickets. Yes. Um, the Jim Carrey one. Um, he was really good in that. He was the snake guy. He had the he had all the snakes. Um, he, his character was so good that when he his character when he inevitably dies in the movie. Sorry, spoiler alert. Fucking fourteen years later. Uh, that you it's sad because you don't want his character to die at all. You like you fucking you want him to live, and he doesn't. And it's just like, oh, please, Billy Connolly, come back. Yeah, Billy Connolly is is anyway. She she was married. To, she's married to Billy Connolly. She's I'll, been married to him since nineteen. I'll be kicking your big brown bahuki. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 I I thought it was interesting. I was like, you know, you don't see her in anything anymore. Yeah, you know, and she's been in a bunch of other things. She was in Saturday Night Live and yada yada yada. So, like I said, I I just fucking looked her up and I'm like, uh-huh. holy shit. Yeah. So now she's got to deal with Ms. Billy Connolly, which is fucking. Which is funny because there's an MS uh, Richard Pryor in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so did Richard Pryor sell you at all as a guy as a tech whiz? Actually, yeah. Did he? Yeah. Okay. You know, um, he it's he's one of those guys that can the, when he delved into this role, he he played it like he didn't know anything about anything. Yeah. So when he goes into doing the computer stuff, he's in some. You, in in the class, he's 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 typing along, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the people next to him is doing their thing, and they're like, "I need to be able to do this." And the guy's like, "Well, you can't do it this way. You can't. Th- these computers aren't set up to do this, right? Yeah. This specific algorithmic programming." Yeah. And Richard Pryor goes, "I can do it," and he shows him. He's like, "How do you do that?" He goes, "I don't know. I just did it." Mm-hmm. You know. And when he's typing, it's. It's not like it's not Hollywood. <laughs> it, you can see him literally typing on the keyboard, like yeah. actually writing letters. Yeah, you know, or writing writing words, and, or 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 typing in numbers and things like that. Yeah. So when you see him on the computer doing his thing, what you see on the screen when he's typing stuff out is actual fucking screen. Okay. You know, and he's not typing anything in, obviously, but when you see it on the screen, it's not. It. Yeah, he he absolutely sells it <laughs> because that part of the movie is not important. So it's kind of like the, these side scenes where when he's typing, he's not really saying anything. But he's like, "Oh, let's see what we got now." Then he'll sit back and look at what he's got and then continue on. Yeah, like, "Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that." <laughs> you know. And then there, I mean, obviously, there are some things about it that are completely fucking fake. But you know, it's not like they have it in the movies today, where it's like three D and oh, we're gonna delve into the virtual reality and find the bro- find the fucking server, and this thing looks like goddamn, you know, uh, um, um, looks like streets and 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 buildings, and oh, there's the server right there. It's that highlighted red thing. And so, do you think that feel that same way about it's a Unix system? Yes. Because that was all that was all bullshit. The searching through the programs like that. Oh no 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 no! In Jurassic Park, yeah. that was as real as it got. When it did, where it scrolled to the next like big big area of on when she's going through all these programs. Yeah, that's it's the, you can do that. Oh, okay. Unix is very very advanced. It, they didn't do the 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 virtual 3D like you saw in Hackers or yeah. or um um. The, the other one with uh, Fisher Man. Stevens, <laughs> yeah, or Lawnmower Man, <laughs> you know, where literally you're going through like this weird universe of electrons. Cyber and then, world, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're in this wireframe world where you have to search through all these little, these stacks 
think Johnny, you know? Johnny Mnemonic did that too. Yeah, and and, and that shit doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it that's all for for visual show and tell. Yeah. And in this movie, they they kind of got away with they didn't do that. I mean, they kind of got away with some graphical representations of what the rocket looks like and pointing. Point, you know, ha- uh, having a what's called a GUI graphical user interface for some of the stuff and typing in some nonsense and whatever else. But for the most part, it made you believe that they, somebody could program this. Yeah. And as basic as it was, it was it was realistic in terms of what a computer could do, and not this wacky bullshit that they have in a lot of movies nowadays. <laughs> hmm. The whole movie is a nightmare. <laughs> it is a fucking nightmare. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they were trying. They were thinking of. What's worse, though, this or the quest for peace? Both of them. <laughs> um, Ilya Salkin originally wrote a treatment for this film that included Brainiac, Mister Mitzelplik. If you don't know what I'm talking about, he's the little Mitzelplik. No, it's not Mitzelplik. I can't it's fucking pronounce it's it. It's Mitzel Spitlicks. Mitzel Spitlick. Yep, and Supergirl and Warner Brothers didn't like it. Um, the treatment was released online in 2007. I was fucking say that to you. That is, this is their cheap version of Brainiac. Yes. The robot. So so that's exactly what they did was uh, this is now Brainiac. Mr. Mitzel Spitlick portrayed in the outline varies from good humor comic counterpart as, his, as he uses his abilities to cause serious harm with Dudley Moore as the choice to play the role. Meanwhile, in the same treatment, Brainiac was from Kalu and had discovered Supergirl in the same way that Superman f- was found by the Kents which would have been stupid. Um, and he's portrayed as a surrogate father to Supergirl and eventually falls in love with his daughter who did not reciprocate his feelings as she had fallen in love with Superman. But, again, Supergirl is supposed to be Kal-El's cousin. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm bringing all this up because there's a, there's a Krypton series that's going on on sci-fi right now. Yeah. And Brainiac is the main bad guy in that. And they haven't gotten to Brainiac yet. Um, but all, all this leads up to is leading up to Brainiac. Mm-hmm. And what's good about Krypton is they said it years and years and years and years before Superman, before Jor-El. So basically, it's Jor-El's grandparents, uh-huh. his great great grandparents, Superman's great great grandparents. Okay. <laughs> and Adam Warlock goes back in time to try to save Superman. Superman's dying in the future. I thought Adam Warlock was Marvel. No, that's. No, no. Adam Warlock is not Marvel. Who is it that um, at the end of uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two, that um, he's in a big? Uh, they say they had the name for that big AI system that the gold people created. Um, I don't know, but Adam Warlock is is DC. Um, if only I had technology. I'm <laughs> in fingertips here. And there's also a, a Marvel version of Adam Warlock. Okay. Um. Uh, I may be wrong. Hold on. Let me look up uh, Krypton. Oh, it's Adam Strange. I'm sorry. Adam Strange. I get Adam Strange and Adam Warlock mixed up. My fault. Adam Strange is the guy... Um, on Krypton. Okay. That's, that's going back in history to fix what's going on in, in the present. Because Superman is dying. Yeah. That's what's going on. Um, and when Superman's cape... When the last thread on Superman's cape disappears... Yeah. Superman wouldn't be no more. So it's it's finite. There's a limited amount of time that they have to fix all this stuff. Adam Warlock is the guy that's in Marvel. Yeah, it's like the, <laughs> that, that little scene right there. Yeah. 
I keep getting those. That's two why, yeah, it threw me off. I was like, what? Adam Warlock. Yeah. So Kendra keeps saying Adam Warlock's going to be in Infinity War. Nope. I said I don't think he is. I said they got enough characters in it already. They already said that that Adam Warlock was going to be in Infinity War. He's, dude, he's twelve. Russo brothers. Um, I, I, I expect that doesn't mean that he isn't going to be in part two. I expect surprises though. I don't expect. Yeah, I expect that they're not going to. You know. Well, there's going to be no. There, there won't be any X Men. There won't be any, any Fantastic Four. There's not going to be any of those guys. Because all this stuff is said and done. You see the April Fool's joke where someone goes, Hugh, Hugh Jackman seen on Infinity uh, War uh, reshoots set. He probably was. No, it was it was photos from when he was filming Origins. I know, but he was also on the set of Spider-Man. When they were filming one of the Spider-Man movies, uh-huh. he was on set, Spider-Man, and they were trying to get him into the original Wolverine blue and yellow costume yeah. so that he could be in that. It was... um. I don't know what which one it was, the one where uh, um, the Rhino. Oh, so Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, yeah. The there's a I think it was that one that they okay. wanted him to be in. Yeah, where they turned Rhino into a big robot. Yeah. So, the, but it was he, Paul Giamatti. He was it. literally on set, and they couldn't get the costume in time. <laughs> That's how close they were to filming that whole sequence. That was sucked. Yeah, they couldn't get the permission to get the costume. Shit. So. <laughs> That had to be scrapped. Anyways, um, don't waste your time watching this movie. This is Superman three was supposed to be a completely different story than what we ended up seeing on the TV screen um, or the movie screen, if you want to call it that. Um, really, didn't I just have Superman three up yeah. for the fucking wiki? And it would have been, I think, I'm, I'm glad we didn't get a Brainiac, and they've been trying to do Brainiac forever. Um, they wanted to introduce all these other characters, but, uh, excuse me. I feel uh, like I'm in your stomach right now, fucking hearing all that shit. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> uh, Cesspool of Pepsi and an In-N-Out burger. Yeah, not In-N-Out. <laughs> um, Panera. Um, How was Panera? It's okay. I've never had it. Is it just bread? I mean, what do they have? I don't just go get a Panera. It's I, a sandwich. That's what they have. These deli type sandwiches. Yeah, it's it's nothing special. They have the meats. Yeah, both Gene Hackman and Margot Kidder were angry with the way the Salkins treated Superman director Richard Donner. Yeah, and Hackman didn't want to come back as Lex Luthor. Kidder publicly criticized the Salkins. The producers reportedly punished the actress by reducing her role in Superman Three to a brief appearance. Um, Hackman later denied such claims, stating that he had been busy with other movies and the general consensus that. Making Luther a constant villain would be akin to incessant horror movie sequels, blah, 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 blah. Um, the creative team, this is what uh, Salkin said about um, Kidder in the 2006 commentary, which was the creative team decided to pursue a different direction for their love interest in Superman, believing that Lois and Clark's relationship had been played out in the first two films, but could be revisited in the future. With the choice to give a more prominent role to Lana, Lois's part was reduced for story reasons. They also denied the reports about Hackman being upset with him, stating that Hackman was unable to return because of other film commitments, which Hackman also said um, prior to that whole DVD commentary. But I, I, you know what? When when somebody's angry and they say those things, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. This is just the movie is just awful. I have no more to say about this fucking Behind movie. Behind the scenes is more interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Um, oh, here it is. Um, 
On Richard Lester's direction of Superman 3, Christopher Reeve stated, he's always looking for a gag, something sometimes to the point where the gags involved Richard Pryor went over the top. I mean, I don't think that his going off the top of a building on skis with a pink tablecloth around his shoulder was particularly funny, <coughs> which is in the trailer. Like, he's, like, like uh, Robert Vaughn's character who owns Websco yeah. has, has a cabin, a cabin in the woods on top of his penthouse. Mm-hmm. And it has snow, and it has it has a place where you can go down skiing downhill, right? Which makes no sense to have no protective borders around this place. But fucking Richard Pryor gets on skis, and he goes down, and he goes off the side of the fucking building, yeah. and falls forty fucking stories or more. It's more than forty stories, like eighty stories. Yeah, falls eighty falls however many fucking stories it is off the side of this skyscraper, and then. He hits. He, there's a there's a angled part of the glass on the skyscraper where it's kind of like a, an awning, but not an awning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the the lower part of the, which is another part of the building, like a cafe or whatever. Okay. And then his skis hit that perfectly, and he slides down it onto the street and lands perfectly. You know, good job. His he, he didn't crash through the fucking glass. His legs didn't shatter. His body didn't turn into fucking, you know, gristle and bits. Mm-hmm. He he skied down the side of a fucking building <laughs> onto a city street, and he turns around and looks up and goes, oh, well, imagine that. Yeah, and then he just walks away, which at the end of the whole sequence, when Richard Pryor are walking away and skis, yeah. that's funny. That's fucking funny. Mm-hmm. But the whole scene leading up to that, that it's, it's not funny. Shit. And that's what Richard Lester did with this whole entire movie is just like he tried to make it a fucking comedy, you know? Like, and it's just the gag after gag after gag. It's just he shit on the franchise like I in my opinion like like fucking Schumacher did to Batman. Yeah. And but you know, and then I agree with this. Um Superman uh Christopher Reeves performance of a corrupted version of the Man of Steel, particularly the junkyard battle between Superman and Clark Kent was very interesting. It was like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. You know, where he's basically fighting his own conscience to see who takes over. Yeah. Right? Um, other than that, there is very little when it comes to... Uh, there's very little good that comes out of this movie. Yeah. We're not using over, over, overusing over, sight gag slapstick and Richard Pryor, Superman 3 Resorts to plot points rehashed from the Superman previous flicks. Robert Vaughn <laughs> is like... Exactly the same in everything he's in, right? Pretty much. And I, I look, I, I kind of like Robert Vaughn, but he he's like one of those guys that I don't want to see him for very long. Like, just pop in, pop out, and then be gone. Like, you know, he, I think he was even in uh, basketball too much. <laughs> you know, even though his character's funny. Yeah, he was funny in basketball, but he was just the same character. He's always plays, always plays a weird villain. Yeah, an asshole. He always plays an asshole villain. Right. Like a snobby... You know, well, I guess selfish just goes hand in hand with snobby, but you know what I mean. All right. So, um, shit, are we good? <laughs> Fucking Lincoln and Superman 3. Yeah, they're a prolonged slapstick sequence rather than in outer space. That would be, you know what? That would be a new rap battle. Be uh, Christopher Reeve versus uh, Daniel Day Lewis's Lincoln. <laughs> How about Christopher Reeve versus um, Stephen Hawking? Oh, God damn. And on that note, Good night, everybody.